Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we're speaking with James Lindsay and Sam Harbour about mental health in the workplace. James Lindsay is a mental health blogger, as well as working in the charity sector. And Sam Harbour has very good knowledge and experience of well-being. This episode is particularly close to my heart. According to Public Health England, one in six adults experience some form of mental health issue every week. And that is a lot of people struggling in the workplace in one way or another. As someone that works in the charity sector and as a manager and as a father and as a person, I'm particularly interested in mental health. And I, for one, would like to know how I can help to support others around me, as well as improving my own well-being. As you'd expect, being Charity Chat, the interview takes place in a noisy London cafe, so please forgive us the background noise. And here we go, on with the show. Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm here with James Lindsay and Sam Harbour, both working in the charity sector, and we're here to talk about mental health. That's right. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. James, why is mental health and well-being important? do you think, to organisations, and why should they invest in it? Well, um, we found a few really powerful stats when we were doing a bit of research on this. So um, the first one is, so work is a really key factor in supporting and protecting mental health. And we found a workplace mental health and wellbeing survey, which identified um, 86% of their respondents believe that their job and well-being at work is important to protecting and maintaining their mental health. Um, The second one, distress is an issue that affects a major proportion of the workforce. So a lot of people who have got mental health problems, I think over a third of respondents on here um, reported like distress had left them less productive at work than they would like to be. Okay. When I had my psychotic episode in uh, 2016, yeah. that was partly triggered. It was mostly a personal life trigger, but it was also like a workplace. I wasn't very happy like in the sector I was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people I've spoken to have had similar experiences. It has been stress-related, um, and that stress can be workplace or relationships or family. Sure, sure. It can be a whole lot of different things. So. Because, I mean, it makes sense, I suppose, that, you know, where you're working, if it's high high pressure, high stress, um, you're spending a lot of time there. Yeah. And, and it can be quite isolating if you're working on a project on your own or even if you're with other people. If there's yeah. not a sense of kind of support and care there, then it can be quite... Uh, yeah. And, and, even, and even to add to that, in within the charity sector itself as well, we're often working with with a variety of, of different of different groups, as you said, potentially um, on our own or in or in groups um, who who give us a lot to think about and a lot to reflect on ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's very important to yeah look after ourselves as well as the people that we're working with within that Absolutely. sector. Absolutely, and I know, I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this podcast that work in the charity sector, working in the charity sector, from my point of view, brings me so much pleasure and joy. Yeah. And yet there are some big issues, and most charities are actually there to try and tackle mm-hmm. big issues. And that inevitably probably comes with an element of stress, trying to deal with stressful situations, helping people who could be in need. So there's, there'll be stress potentially coming from the, the cause and then added into that, there's the standard stress, I suppose, of working in an office environment or working with people yeah. that isn't always easy, is it? Yeah. So yeah. can cause a lot. And then if you've got other things going on in the background in your life, then I suppose it can mean that yeah. 
there's some additional challenges and ideally you need a work environment that's going to support you when you're, when you're facing those challenges. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah, because the stress could be one of those things or it could be a combination of those things. So, um, and you're spending nine to five every day, Monday to Friday, essentially, I know, 40 plus years of your life at least in this job, you might as well try and make it as happy and less stressful as it can be, because it is your life. So. Yeah, to, to add kind of additional facts and figures that we found, well, from the Department of Work and Pensions and revealed that 300,000 people with long-term mental health problems leave the UK workforce each year, which is a, a, a staggering number. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. So staggering not only in terms of the the economics, I suppose, yeah. you know, yeah. but, the, but also for those people, the uh, potential anxiety, despair, and, and then if it's done right in a workplace, then that support can bring a lot of benefits to people yeah. if they're having mental health issues. Uh, Very much so, and, and again, another another statistic for you, Sam, that addressing well-being at work um, increases productivity by as much as 12%. Right. So there's a pretty compelling evidence base to say mental health needs to be taken seriously at work. Absolutely, yeah. So what can charities specifically, do you think, do to provide mentally healthy environments? What kind of things should charities be thinking about? Um, we've got quite a list here. Do you want me to yeah, start? Go, so, go for it, um, the first thing that we do, which I think is really cool, is corporate volunteering days. Okay. And um, this is where you work currently, is it? Well, um, yeah, we provide them. Um, so we've got case studies of very successful corporate volunteering days that we've run yeah. uh, as a charity for other companies who aren't in the charity sector. Right. Um, a good example was this. So in summer 2016, uh, when I was working for my old employer, the one which I was um, a bit stressed in, um, one of my actual happiest memories of that, that job and the people who I worked with um, was a day we went in London, I think it was near Peckham, we went to this like garden area um, and basically helped them a bit digging, weeding um, around like their kind of vegetable patch and like there was a beehive there and it was just amazing, like it was a nice sunny day, um, we were like exhausted by the end of it but like we had so much fun yeah. um, and it was so therapeutic and just you, you get to know people in a different way that you wouldn't normally do mm. in an office where you're like constantly surrounded by screens and deadlines and you know that sort of thing yeah so that's one thing which I think is, is really important so like these companies should invest in their staff's well-being one of the aspects of it from the sounds of it was that it's quality time getting to know your colleagues exactly yeah I and suppose if you need a support network outside of work then you you get to know people and you have friendships and that yeah that then when things are difficult you can lean on those friendships a little bit maybe is it similar at work do you need to build kind of stronger relationships in work with colleagues do you think that helps i think so so um we had our staff conference um was it last month yeah and we had a couple of workshops as part of that conference so it wasn't just a presentation about how we were doing financially um, there was like a, a meditation and mindfulness session and a session where we made these um, they're called willows like the twigs that you make a we basically made a fish like shape with these all these twigs and it, yeah. was, it was a lot of fun um, but it was kind of similar to projects that we do with like children and families but we were doing them like in our staff conference yeah. um, and I was meeting people because we have projects like in um, Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire, Suffolk, Norfolk, Essex, Cambridgeshire. I think I've got them all there. Um, there's a lot of people who I know by email and phone who I've sure. never met. Yeah. And now I've met a lot of them face to face. Um, and now I see them. And it's like, oh, how's it going? Like, how's your uh, 
your willow making skills, if you've been meditating and that sort of thing, like, it's yeah. great, yeah, it makes such a big difference. So um, I think any company can do that. And there seems to be a lot of, you know, looking out on, online and looking at LinkedIn and various places, there seems to be a lot of advice about things that I suppose some people would take for granted, but getting out, you know, of the office, going for, you know, I, I try and get out when I can, go for a long walk at lunchtime, so I find it helps me with yeah. my thinking and, you know, clears my head a bit and, I'm trying to get 10,000 steps in every day as well, so that helps with that. Your Fitbit. Um, so you know, my Fitbit. And, nice um, and, I, you know, and I, I suppose there are things like that, are there, that can be encouraged by, by charities, by workplaces? Uh, and yes, uh, as, as well as organisations providing um, providing opportunities uh, such as the ones that James described, also organisations providing opportunities for self-care, um, for reflective time, um, whether that be uh, a period in the day, as you said, to, to, to go for a walk around your office building yeah, or, yeah, to, yeah. Or, or to sit and, and meditate and, uh, um, or, or, or do some yoga within, within a workplace, yeah. um, which, which again uh, is, is getting increasingly popular um, now, now indeed. And I suppose the thing with that, because there might be some people listening to this thinking, well, you know, if I, you know, charities are there, we've got a lot of work to do, how can we justify taking time out to have a yoga session, a meditation session? But as you said at the beginning, there's some compelling reasons to do that, it, preventing people going out of work because of mental yeah. health issues, and, and also potentially increasing productivity in the long run. And, 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 and that's, you always have to weigh uh, within the business um, in terms of, okay, productivity and, um, and what the business needs, as, as well as looking um, at your staff. But even, it's, it's increasingly common within businesses that people not not taking lunch breaks, um, yeah. So even, even within people's allocated breaks that they actually have, having these sort of, of, of sessions in terms of, of helping helping the staff and uh, people will always find find an excuse to, to stay at their desk to do more work, Absolutely. but actually giving people opportunities to, to, to go and do something which, which could really assist them. And I suppose health, healthy working cultures, other things that I've come across are things like, you know, I've worked for some organisations where there is this subliminal uh, kind of pressure to stay late yeah. because the boss stays late. You yeah, know, I've worked yeah. in places where it's kind of frowned upon almost, it seems that way. It feels a, a pressure to uh, to leave after six o'clock when the working day is till five. And that's unhealthy, isn't it? And, yeah. I, and also I'm sure that productivity isn't necessarily measured by the number of hours, but by the quality of work. I think it's very, very important what, what you said before, Sam, in terms of the culture of the business itself. Very important for for the business to have, uh, for example, Groundwork East, where we work, the, the managers have an open door policy okay, um, yeah. in terms of being being happy for anyone to come in and, and have a chat when whenever that they that they want to, and making sure that um, that they they pride themselves on being a, a supportive listening employer. Yeah. Just just so as as you said as well, to to with, with the cultures of of people not wanting to, to interrupt their bosses or, or not wanting to leave before their bosses, of, of trying to, to flip that round ever so slightly, I think is, is really important if, if you know that, that your manager, the executive director, whoever it might be, will, will listen to you when, when you go in and have something to say, which, which could be something about, about your mental health, it could be something as, as trivial as what you got up to at the weekend. Mm. It's a two-way thing, um, so from an employer point of view, 
how do they know that you have a problem if you don't tell them? And also from an employee point of view, um, you've got to know from them that they can that you can be open and honest. Absolutely, so, having confidence that you can actually go and talk to them in the first place. Yeah. So another good example is um, when I joined Groundwork East in February, um, I put on my application, my volunteer application, that I had. I can't remember which phrase I used, it was like mental breakdown, mental illness, something like that. Yeah. And my manager emailed me straight away, um, addressed it and said, I noticed you put this on your application, not in a worrying way, it was just like, if you ever want to talk, let me know, like either confidentially by email or in person, we can book a meeting room. And so straight away, my first impression, I felt so comfortable. That's really and good. And she, she's really yeah. followed this up, like in all our one-to-one -one meetings. Mm. We'll have a, like a you know, talk about work, go through our points, but the N the AOB at the end, any other business, is very much like, how are you doing, like, because this is a, people say, how are you, I'm fine, I'm fine a lot, but actually, how are you feeling, like, you've got to be honest, whether you're female or male, you've got to speak up and say, actually, I'm, I'm not doing so good, I'm, I'm quite stressed, and just tell them, um, and this has been a really good thing, like, not just when I joined, like, when I, um, was doing my blog posts for like mental health blog posts. Like, I was saying to my manager, like, I'm a bit worried, like a bit, a bit nervous about you know discrimination and things like that right. if I publish this. And so she gave me advice, and another person in groundwork uh, gave me advice who's like a, a specialist kind of um, we call them BBO mentors, it stands for building better opportunities. Okay, so they help people overcome barriers to work. And mm. um, so he sat down in the meeting room and had a chat with me. And, basically said, you know, there's always going to be people out there like that, but it's going to be a more powerful story if you share it. And basically since I shared it, I can't stop writing and talking about it now, which is why I'm on here. My experience was, it worked out really well, like sharing, I got really good reactions, feedback, and now uh, it's opened doors for me rather than the opposite yeah. direction. But People are different, the managers are different, but I think if the guidelines are there to be open and honest, two-way, that's, the culture is a key word. But you, but you talked earlier on, James, about um, within one-to-one to, one to one sessions, and, and again, yeah. for, for a business, even though they, they should be leading regular one-to-one -one sessions um, with, with staff, is, is very important, and not just that, but staff surveys and other yeah. ways to for, for management and for sure, people that, sure. uh, that, make, that make decisions to, to know exactly what is going on mm. uh, in terms of them putting things in place. So that, that, that monitoring, um, not just on, on work, but, but people's yeah. well-being throughout that, that formalised process within yeah. work is hi highly effective yeah. um, in, in terms of uh, assisting people. You've got to make people feel comfortable to speak their minds. Yes, like, It can be their choice to be anonymous or mm. give more details. Yeah, um, you shouldn't be afraid to say how you feel, basically. And there's a lot of good best practice around things like that with, with management that I've seen anyway. So having regular catch-ups with managers and yeah. and having regular feedback and having feedback at the time is the right model where you've got this kind of open door policy. You've got this transparency between managers and and staff. Is that right? Yeah, there 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 may always always be things though which which members of staff won't necessarily want to talk to their to their managers sure. about. So other ways and again something which which we use that works quite effectively is having a, a staff consultation group 
um, which is made up of, of varying positions um, across uh, ver various uh, geographical places which we have in which that they can come together um, every every couple of months whether that's in person or, or, or just over over Skype or something um, to to discuss what what they feel are are the, are the key issues and for people to um, to, to give them and either send them in um, anonymously or, or talk to talk to their staff peers to then discuss and, and raise higher up to to the management structure, which is which is very effective and works really well. James, you, you talked about this a little bit earlier, anyway, but I'm interested in the conversations about mental health. So, when, so you talked about how when you uh, you got your recent role and it said on your CV that you'd had. However, you put it, kind of a mental breakdown. Um, it didn't say it in my CV. It, it was um, on the application, on the application. Form for the. And then your manager contacted you, and you said that made you feel much more secure. That she kind of very open about it. Said if you ever want to talk. Yeah. Is that the, is that the model? Do you think for how managers or how charities should talk about mental health with their staff if, if, if they are aware of it? Because I imagine for some managers, I would find this difficult myself, and I have. Yeah. In, in other situations where there has been you know, members of my team have had anxiety or other or depression things like that it can be very difficult to know what is the right thing to say what advice would you give I know you it's kind yeah. of probably case by case largely but what are the general things that could be said it's pretty standard on application forms to say if you've got a physical disability but these kind of illnesses they're kind of invisible yeah. disabilities in the mind there's symbols that, there's, you know, wheelchair symbols, symbols of like a broken arm or something, but a symbol of mental health is just a, a normal symbol of a person. Um, so, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing wrong with making it clear on that application form. You know, if it's a physical or mental illness, like, it should be treated in the same way. Yeah. So, like, companies, and rightly so, make adjustments to their buildings so that it's physically accessible with lifts and ramps. Um, so I don't see why there shouldn't be adjustments for mental health as well. In my case it was quite effective to, for her to send. It was like a follow-up email to my joining and it was good in my situation because I was still quite closed up about it so I could read it privately sure. and then take a deep breath and think, oh that's good, like, I like her already. But some people it might be more effective like in a meeting if they kind of read it and they they can say in a you know a private room with the door closed like I noticed on that you said you had anxiety maybe make it relatable like say I I've had anxiety a bit as well like everyone has it a bit yeah um, absolutely got to be really empathetic absolutely yeah. and I suppose that because I think of situations that I've been in where I've not been sure whether the person I'm talking to would want me to say to them, even in a private setting, to kind of put them on the spot. Maybe the email route yeah, is a good I mean, way of doing since it. I've not shared, terms then, so yeah, yeah, since I've shared like my story, um, some people have said to me in person, like, oh, by the way, I've suffered this and I didn't know about it. Um, I've been really proud of them for sharing it with me in person. But some people have reached out to me. <clears throat> on like Facebook, Instagram, like private messaging, um, which is absolutely fine as well. Like, that's a great first step. Yeah. Um, the first step is telling someone, whether that be a doctor or a close person. And, and I suppose in doing that, in talking about that in your workplace and blogging about it, you've potentially helped other people who may have been quiet about their 
mental health background. Yeah. I mean, that's um, the aim. We talk about it too, and I think that's yeah. you know, if, if anything, that's one thing that we'd hope this podcast episode will do to those people listening. Yeah. If they if there's someone there thinking I want to talk about it, but I'm not sure how, that they'll get some knowledge from this podcast. And, well, podcasts are great for that. Like yeah. you can listen to it in the car. Um, you've got your headphones in, so you don't have to have it on the speaker. It can just be your headphones. Like you're listening to someone, mm. have a nice conversation. It's really private. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's a, a really effective way of learning. What part do managers play in supporting people with their mental health and well-being at their place of work? I suppose you know we've covered a lot of this already, the three of us. But but what, what would you say? What are the fundamentals? So so there there are ways um, as, as well uh, to to add upon what what James just said, in which and things that managers uh, can do and businesses can do um, to to really uh, assist members of staff. Um, as, as much as possible. Of course, as I did mention beforehand, um, they, they do need to take into account um, their own business and making sure that, that what they offer is, is not going to, to implement what, what their business is actually trying to achieve. But some things which, which, which I know from, from experience of working with Groundwork East and with other, other businesses that have been offered by managers to people are um, where possible the changing of a person's working pattern to allow them to either start uh, later or finish earlier potentially because of side effects of medication or allowing them to travel the night before meetings and stay over to avoid morning travel and sure, sure. Think, things like that. I don't know if you want to... Uh, yeah, um, so I think if someone's got any kind of physical or mental issue like keeping in touch with them as you would normally is really important um, invite them to your normal events, give them calls, help them get back into routines and things like that. Increasing flexibility within working, providing people with, with laptops, allowing them to, to, to work yeah. from home um, as, as and when needed. On top of that, if there are potentially work functions which, which might involve food or something along those lines, which, which again could be an issue, instead allowing people to set up alternative networking arrangements with, with similar businesses and not letting that missed opportunity potentially, so to speak, being the, the, the be-all and end-all. And on top of that, managers providing within the workplace quite apparent uh, posters, further literature around the workplace mm. that people can can see. They can see helplines with professionals, uh, sure, sure. Uh, potentially stories that, that other people have, have gone through um, to to take that forward and and hopefully raise awareness in that in that in that shape. Yeah. What good examples are there? I mean, it sounds like groundwork East, where you work. It sounds like a pretty good example, and it sounds like certainly you, James, have have benefited from their approach, Absolutely, which is great, yeah. and, and you're enjoying your role there. Yeah. Um, what, what's the best practice uh, that demonstrates good mental health and well-being support in organisations? Are there some examples that you, you would recommend to look at? There's, so, um, you can do there's mental health first aid training. Oh yeah. So there's, there's several different trainings. Um, 
we well uh, a few a few uh, members of our of our company, including myself, were recently put through an introduction to uh, mental health first aid, which which again went went through uh, the, the general ideas and really opened a lot of doors to further research and further places to look sure, and sure. and a, a greater understanding, which was absolutely fantastic actually. And, and the actual course, correct me if I'm wrong, James, is, is a three day course. I think it's two days. Okay. And there's a three hour light session, which must be the introduction mm -hmm. one, and then uh, a two day course, so quite intensive. But, um, so what, I think kind of, what kind of things are they they're talking about in that course? Signposting, okay. feelings, reasons, treatment, every, everything you could, you could really um, imagine really. And I think, I think a massive part of it is again raising awareness within people. Who often might might over, overlook overlook things, and and I, I know from a personal situation of of it is it is hard and it is hard to spot um, uh, symptoms with people, and and as as colleagues and 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 line, and line managers, people people feel guilt or, or whatever if if somebody is, is struggling and they haven't they haven't. Um, they haven't seen anything, so to speak, and that's yeah. why I feel it's very important. What James was was saying earlier on is is having that culture between people of of people knowing you will listen to hopefully try and encourage encourage people to, to talk further. And it's all about that, yeah. that awareness. It effectively trains you to become really equipped um, yeah. to deal with these sorts of things. Because you think about it like so, a normal first aid course would teach you how to do basic um, life-saving skills if someone's having a heart attack. So you're, you're, you're equipped to potentially save a life, but if you think mental health, well that's the training save a life? Absolutely, because you don't know what's going on in someone's head. Yeah. Um, you don't know, if they don't have that someone to talk to and someone to prevent them doing something, mm. then you don't know how bad that it's going for them. Sure. Um, so I think it's equally important. I'm a first aider, I'm not a mental right. health first aider. I'm a first aider, and part of the reason that I was motivated to become a first aider was because in a situation where I'm needed, in a first aid team, and I'm there, I want to be able to help that person. And it's probably the same thing with mental health. It's not something that I'm, I'm, I feel fully equipped to do. It's something I should probably look at, you know, doing this course, and probably others would want to do that too, because if they're in a situation where they're talking to a colleague or, manager or uh, you know, someone in their team and they're picking up on something or that person then subsequently goes off um, and they didn't feel they supported that person, they'd feel very guilty about that. So it's, it's a double benefit I think. You're helping the person, you're also helping yourself to not feel the guilt and, and, and helping the organisation. And, and very much so and, and you, you touch upon that self with 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 yourself wanting to help and and maybe in, in that position you would you would refer somebody to somebody else within your business. However, they, they might not have any any training in that in that at yeah, all, which is why I think it's, it's it's very important for businesses to, to look into uh, not just a, a general first aid training but also yeah. additional mental mental health first aid training. Not necessarily for everybody within their business, sure, but for sure. uh, for for select people. Um, if, if they can do it for everyone in their business, then fantastic, but at least, at least select people within that. And it sounds like, from what you've said, Jamie, that it's, it's quite nuanced because everyone's different and there'll be different people show anxiety or depression or stress in different ways, and I know yeah. that you know, everyone does, don't they? And, yeah, yeah. Um, and so the, 
in order to pick up on these things, you need a quite high level of emotional intelligence, but also just the you know, knowledge and awareness of the kind of things to look for, presumably. Yeah, so. you also, I think you need to kind of understand the world in a way as well, because one of the authors that I follow, um, he says like, the world, the way it is today, like hyper-connected, mm. um, we're constantly looking at screens on, on social media, with notification, emails, with um, deadlines, all that stuff, personal and work-related. If you don't know how to manage, and you don't know how to understand it, then yeah. you're going to be really lost. So what are the takeaways for people listening to this podcast? And fundamentally, that people should, if they're, if they're listening to this podcast, that's a good first step. But there are yep. lots of things that people can do to increase their knowledge, their sensitivity to mental health, if there are questions yeah. about their own well-being and you know, things aren't don't feel very very good, very happy, then what are the signs that people can look out for? You can look out for if they're not making eye contact, if yeah. they're quite quiet, um, and you've got to be really careful what you say, because I used to hate when, um, if you're out in a social situation, like I, I used to have like a bit of social anxiety, and mm. if some loud person said like, oh you're quiet, like, you know, what's the matter, sort of thing. It's like, putting you on the spot, you on the isn't spot. It? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It can be really bad. Um, and it's not an environment where you probably feel you can say, well actually I am quiet because I feel like this, yeah, you know, no, but like, they get stroppy, and um, <laughs> you can't use language like you know, guys like, in the right context, it's fine. But saying man up and things like yeah, that, yeah, like, Got to look out. Like if they, their eyes are on the floor, or they're, you know, looking a bit down, they've been a bit quiet yeah. on whatever messaging you're used to hearing from them. Just you know, privately saying to them like it could be something quite old school, like a phone call. I know we live in the age of WhatsApp, but um, I absolutely love talking to my friends, just calling them up. Yeah. Like, um, if one of my friends is like broken up with a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, like one of the first things I like to do if they're a close friend, just call them and say, "Oh, do you want to talk about it?" Yeah. How like, are you feeling? Yeah. Like this? Yeah. Um, and it, I think that applies with people at work as well, because you're you're friends with them, and you spend so much time with them. Yeah. Um, I think it's good, like so. In a lot of meetings I, I used to have like in various companies, like some people would be really good at, at the end of the you know, the project stuff saying, Oh so how's it going sort of thing. Like oh, this is just between you and me, like yeah. having having anonymous staff surveys mm. for uh, in, in staff surveys that myself and, and James fill out as well as uh, asking if how we feel with, with the management, etc etc. There are large sections towards our well-being itself and how stressed we're feeling in certain situations of work, how we feel that individual and different teams are and, and, and they react, yeah. all, all, all in which that if, if there were big trends could be could be looked at and, and addressed by, by, by management and at least it brings awareness in, mm. in a way, shape or Yeah, I think there's a lot of things around the office like, that we have that bring people together. Um, so like we touched on exercise earlier, um, and we're quite a, a gardening, horticulture charity. So you've got, um, you've got a great model for exercise. Well, there, yeah, but yeah. myself and a couple of the other people in the office cycle to work, for example. Okay. Um, I absolutely love that. Like, yeah. I arrive at the office so happy like, getting off my bike compared to being in a car in traffic or on mm. a tube. Like, um, that's just for me, that's one example. Like, there's so many different types of exercise out there that people enjoy might not enjoy you got to find try lots of new things and find sure. what works for you yeah um, yoga is really good as well yeah um, also where I sit we've got this um, it might sound a bit silly but we call it the front office book club 
Okay. So um, we love uh, just sharing our books. Like, um, We've got the same thing at work, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that actually, that's kind of what started my whole um, like blogging thing, because I read... Um, a book by I don't know if you know who Frank Bruno is. The, um, oh, the boxer. Boxer, yeah. Course, so yeah, yeah. He quite publicly he had um, so he's got bipolar. Yeah. He's been sectioned three times. Right. Um, so reading his book for me was incredible because it was back when I was very quiet about it. I didn't want to share my story. Mm. But him describing his time in a psychiatric ward, like where I spent four weeks. Yeah. I just thought this guy is amazing, um, and that inspired me to start sharing. Was um, it was it a very accurate portrayal then of, of what you experienced? Is that why it was kind of yeah, he, like, he understood? There, what yeah, there was so much relatable stuff like in there, like the medication, the fellow patients, the staff. In my experience, like the NHS were incredible. Yeah. Um, but that's another important thing. Like you think about how I know hospitals are struggling with all their rooms and beds um, think about how and what proportion of that is due to people going through breakdowns. At work, you know, in, in lots of places that I've worked, but I think most people are the same, you have all these processes and procedures you need to learn, manual handling, now we've got GDPR, you know, data protection was there anyway, yeah, all yeah. these things. Yeah. But very rare I've come across anything that talks about mental health there's kind of safeguarding yeah. and vulnerable people things like that but mental health and about your own everyone it's relevant to everybody isn't it you know everyone yeah. in the workplace should be looking after their mental health yeah. and that of their, their colleagues because you never know yeah. when anxiety is going to hit you when depression is going to hit you and things like this so we've talked about you know a lot of these these kind of the things to do and one of the kind of the no-nos and we've kind of touched on this we probably everyone listening to this probably has an idea of bad practice, things they've seen you know, in workplaces, what would you say the, the no-nos that will cause deteriorations in people's mental health, or at least not help them if they're having problems? No, no, no support, um, yeah. I, I'm going to say, is, is, is one of the biggest ones. Uh, knowing, knowing that you're stressed about what you need to do, but there's nothing and you feel like you have no options and nobody that, that can assist you with that. Yeah. Um, I, I, would, I would say is, is the biggest the biggest point with that. Yeah, I mean, I was in like a really dark place sort of two years ago, and it's hard to say all these things in hindsight because, like, the state of mind I'm in now is very different to the state of mm. mind I was in back then. Like, you're kind of you're on medication, and the side effects can be you feel really lethargic, and you're sleeping. I don't know, 10, 11 hours. And you, you don't want to get out of bed because what's there to get out of bed for? Mm. But a lot of our projects are kind of trying to help people who have got those sort of things. So a project I've been working on, I said at the beginning of the, like the introduction that I'm kind of outdoors two days a week and indoors three days. Yeah. So the outdoors bit is like a horticulture project for people with um, mental illness and learning disabilities. Um, get my words out. Um, so it's to help them overcome those barriers. Right. Um, but it kind of applies to life really, like, you, you really do feel a difference, like, if you get a bit of a routine going, you get out of the house, um, I mean, obviously, the house should be, like, your, your happy, calm place, but you can have other happy places, like, whether it be outside, um, in a park, or I love going to the cinema, for example, yeah. um, and just turn off my phone and spending two hours watching film and forgetting what, whatever escaping, I'm busy with. Yeah, escaping, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, as I said before, like, everyone's got their own thing they enjoy. Like, I can 
I can give as many examples from when I was ill and, when I, and now I'm better as possible, but you've got to kind of discover what you enjoy. Like, it shouldn't be a chore, it shouldn't be self-punishment. It should be like a group, enjoyable, yeah. hopefully active activity. And kind of workplace or a charity workplace, does it have a part to play in helping to create that safe space? Or is it something that is something that they, that charities should be, have knowledge about, so that if somebody working there has well-being issues, then then they can they can give that as advice. I, I think I think a workplace providing, um, as as we mentioned that word before, the culture and yeah. and the the environment um, that the workplace can't take the the responsibility of of forcing people to to um, to, to talk if, if they don't mm, want to talk. Sure, sure. Um, but providing that. That, that stable block that people know that they can use mm. and tap into and hopefully feel comfortable and, and confident enough to use. James Lindsay, Sam Harbour, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat. No, thank you. Thank you so much. Like, I've been listening to the podcast for a while and I, I really enjoy a lot of your episodes, so it's really nice to come on. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Thank you. So a big thank you there to James and Sam for joining me for that chat about mental health. We spoke a lot of, about a lot of things, about uh, the workplace mental health and well-being survey. Very interesting how hyper-connected we all are now with screens, emails, regular demands on our time and concentration. These are things we've talked about before, but can't be stressed enough. They can cause huge amounts of stress and affect our well-being. How vital then that we find ways of complementing self-care with positive work cultures and charities also need to be doing this. Those work cultures are generally supportive, communicative and put mental health, if not at the heart, then at least on the agenda of the organisation. There's still an awful lot to talk about with mental health, so as well as looking at our website for links and resources, please do listen out for further shows on mental health and well-being in the workplace. And if you have any mental health in the charity sector stories, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this podcast. You are the reason for us being here, and we hope that you enjoyed the podcast. We'd love to hear either way, and we'd love to hear from you also if you have any ideas for future podcasts or if you'd like to take part in one. Also, a big thank you then to our sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Aximit for beautiful website design, RR Yard Photography for the lovely pro bono images on our website, charitychat.org.uk. Please do check it out. And also Forrester Fools who have been playing throughout the show and are playing us out now. That's it from us. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.